Hi, welcome. This is a, a leadership collaboration series uh, with my uh, colleague uh, Nancy Halpern all the way in New York. Uh, we call it Leadership Lessons uh, from Across the Pond. And uh, Nancy and I tackle uh, key leadership challenges on a weekly basis uh, via LinkedIn Live. Uh, these could be sort of current to the context we're in and some will be sort of evergreen challenges. And we wanted to share our two very different perspectives on solving these leadership challenges. Do enjoy. Thank you. Hello, hello. I'm Nancy Halpern and I'm here with my friend and colleague Julian Roberts. Hello, Julian. Hello, Nancy. Good to see you. Good to see you. So we are here to talk about a mystery topic because as you, that we're going to announce right now, we might have given you some hints, but it's what do you do when your star performer is your biggest problem? You know, the person who perhaps does a great job in terms of operations, creating revenue, getting things done, but people don't really want to work with them or they take up a whole lot of your time. And I've seen this happen a lot in high performing teams and organizations and managers really struggle with this. Is this something you've seen a lot, Julian? And what are your ideas about it? Yeah, I've observed it myself in teams I've run myself, but I've also observed it in other teams. <laughs> so um, as in from afar. Um, and uh, it is interesting because you're in that dilemma, aren't you? You've got somebody who's doing really well, excelling, uh, whether they're bringing in sales or they're being extremely productive, innovative. But along the way, they're hacking off loads of people bad behaviors and and I think it's one difficult one to challenge in a sense of because you feel quite emotive about it because you're thinking oh don't upset the apple cart because you know they're concerned about what they may do or they may leave us and all this sort of stuff and I think that the, the perspective I have is have that have a, a bigger perspective on than that person because life isn't all about one person we are not all uh, indispensable in that sense and and i think it's good to have that perspective that actually your sole business is not depending on this single person actually stand back a little bit and think about the bigger problem and i think because often we get caught up oh there might be revenues of 20 percent more than everybody else but actually they are impacting everybody else who are going below and so this some of the parts are significantly less and i think it's that important thing is to sort of play back and think actually what can we do about this? So how do we do that? How do we go and tackle? Because we've got to we've got to tackle it and you've got to head on with it. I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts because you love grabbing nettles and thorns and all sorts of I things. I love right? prickly things. It's true. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, the first thing is I I remember telling a couple of clients over the years, no one as a leader should hold you emotional hostage. And that's what happens, just as you've said, you know, people are scared that this person will walk and take away all the candy that everyone else eats. So one thing I've come up with in dealing with it, um, and I'm actually kind of proud of this, Julian, because I hadn't thought of it this way until recently, is doing an actual cost benefit analysis. Like, you know what that person brings in, in terms of dollars, let's say, or what their effort results in, but do you know what they actually cost you? So on top of their salary or compensation, calculate how much of your time as a manager they take up on, let's say, weekly or monthly basis. Calculate that percentage of your salary and add that onto the cost that they cost you. 
then also take the time your other people come and complain about them or won't work with them and add that to the cost. And, you know, at some point, oh, and by the way, not just that, how much time do you spend thinking about them? Because I'll bet that's at least twice as much as the time you spend interacting with them. So take that number of hours divided by total week, divided by your salary, throw that in. And all of a sudden, you're going to actually have a very different calculation because you pay one way or the other. So what is that person actually costing you? And I did have a client go through a version of this approach, and they decided there was only one way to correct the behavior because they really didn't want to lose the person, but they also didn't want to deal with the behavior anymore. They told them that every time they hear about an incident, in this case, it was bullying, they would knock five grand off their bonus. Wow. Wow. And see the pro and that got their attention. And got that's my attention. The <laughs> see? I woke you right up at the end of the day. Well, <laughs> see, but that's the thing. I think you have to know what motivates that difficult talent. Sometimes it's that they want a platform. So everyone listens to them. Mm. You know, other times it is a financial motivation. You know, because the thing you have to think about is not just that cost calculation, but are you a walking, sitting hypocrite? If your organization has espoused a set of core values mm. that we don't tolerate bad behavior, and yet as a leader, you are tolerating it because you don't want to risk the hit to revenue or something else, you know, your team's going to look at you and it's a cost to your reputation that you may not want to take on. Mm. No, and, I, and I, like, I like that cost benefit aspect because I think that takes out the emotion as well. Um, cause often we get caught up in the emotion of how some, how great somebody is, or we can't lose them, but actually doing that cost benefit is really a valuable thing to do. Um, and I think we, we do need to head on with the, the individual in terms of dealing with it. Uh, as you write, yeah, other people are observing you, are you going to deal with this? How are you going to go about it? And it has a greater impact if you don't do something about it. And I guess in my past of, of dealing with people, I've always Almost li what we talked about a few weeks ago, or we might mean last week ago, about feedback, where you literally mm. set them aside and you, you know, as long as you've observed things, the key thing is obviously we hear from other people, but you've got to make sure you observe some of the behaviors they're doing. You can't always get all behaviors, but certainly you start to see some patterns, as we've, we've talked about before. And then you tell them you, you're quite specific about it and you give clear examples of that behavior. And also you demonstrate the impact that's having. And, and it goes back to obviously the wider impact on the business and on the team, but also the, some of the consequences that, that may happen with them. Because weirdly, and it's interesting, the £5,000 piece, consequences are a motivator um, more than giving cash. Uh, and that sounds a little bit wrong way around in this world, but actually consequences are important. But before you get to that, I think it's important for them to get an understanding why they are behaving while they are behaving because there might be some real issues there might be some things they're dealing with and try to sort that out but get into a place where actually you clearly say this is not acceptable this is the impact it's having on the business and other people how can we get to a place where you're not being like that and then almost put them on a bit of a, a watch really because uh, they can't just be let go once they've had that conversation and if it continues then the conversation goes to more of a, well, it is, it's conversations. I mean, I'm not quite as the old like that, but it's certainly, you know, 
uh, you know, sort of performance improvement plan, potentially let them go. I mean, they got to be, you got to point it out to them. Clarity. Well, you know, I think as a, as a leader, and then I have a question for you, Julian, I think as a leader, you have to make a conscious choice. If you say this person is worth it, I've done the cost benefit analysis and you know, they're difficult, but they're not destructive. At least be honest that I'm making that choice. If you say this person is absolutely terrible, then at some point you really do have to let them go, which is why I did this. I think so many leaders and managers just get stuck in the fear. They actually never make a decision, which de facto is a decision. But here's the question I was actually, I really wanted to ask you. So you were talking about observing behavior, but there are many times the manager never sees this behavior because the person is in question is actually some pretty good at managing up. It's with peers and underlings. Mm. Underlings are people who report to them that this behavior shows itself because then they have more power and they feel more comfortable showing it. So what do you do in that instance, do you think, Julian, if you have several people or even just one person reporting it, but you yourself have never seen it? I, I guess for me, I will I will try and uh, canvas more feedback. I mean, I guess if I can, there's always, there's always other people observe it. Um, whether it's from the person who's either complained to you or talked to you about it or shared it with you or other people, I will uh, canvas more feedback as I can. But I also will still have those conversations of what I've shared uh, with the individual in terms of those and and will elicit something from that as well. Because do you know what? The whole, you know, there's no smoke without fire. There's something going on. And, and do you know what? You just know even if somebody's playing with you sort of disingenuously with you, you know that they are being not like that to other people and they're just trying to play the, with you. So I, for me, I think there's a bit of an intuition that goes on with it as well. Uh, it's not always so obvious as clean cut, you observe it, you see it, but I think canvas more information uh, and you just tend to know what is happening in terms of an intuitive way. Well, you know, maybe we should also talk about what happens when you have that difficult conversation with the person. One technique I've used a lot with my clients is not talking about when you are in that conversation. Instead of making it about you and your behavior, I suggest they say, for anyone in your position, here are the expectations. Mm. Or, and, you know, this organization has a couple of core values that we expect everyone yeah. to live by. Here's what they are. So therefore, even though it isn't that person you're talking to, it's a way to dial down the emotion and what could be perceived as a personal attack by mm. saying it doesn't matter if Mary, Sally, anyone is in this role. I would ask the same thing of them. What techniques have would you suggest or have you seen work in those yeah, conversations? I agree. I think it goes back to that when you give them feedback in terms of making sure what you're aligning to is is the values, is the culture. Uh, and I find that really important uh, in terms of sharing that and almost putting in, putting them in your shoes. And what, what, would you, what would you do in my position and try to get them to see a different perspective? Because I think often people who are doing really well get a little bit caught up with their own sort of um, glory of how well they're doing and I think sometimes they need to see a different perspective and I I've often said to them okay so what what do you think I should how I would view this if you were me or how do you think that person who works for you how do you think they're perceiving that um, impacts you're having or to try and shape them a little bit and seeing different points of view almost going around various people and they might and, you know how would my boss view how you're behaving with my team and it 
it starts to scale things a little bit that actually and in by inference of that actually start making people think there's actually a wider impact here because you know what people are all looking <laughs> they're observing yeah. and i think people forget that actually observation is one of the biggest ways to make an impact and that can be positive or negative people are watching you not always consciously but certainly subconsciously of what you're doing and how you're doing and and weirdly i know we can't always detect intention and motive um in terms of we can't observe it and you know, we observe behaviors but actually sometimes you can feel sometimes an intention and you can feel uh, a sense of what that somebody's trying to do so i've always tried to create that sort of awareness uh, in that individual in terms of a almost 360 i guess i think that's really good i also think though after those conversations some people resort to what i would call boomerang behavior like let's say you have someone who suffers from what i call the smartest guy in the room syndrome no matter your gender right and so they really over talk they do all the talking they talk first you know and you give that person listen you're really brilliant and let's say they are but you need to make space for other people to contribute i've seen that kind of person just shut down say fine you don't hear from me i won't say anything which of course is not what you had said right but they, they get a little pouty so I think that you have to be on the lookout for that kind of behavior, but I also think during that conversation with your difficult talent, you might say, and by the way, this isn't saying that I want you to not contribute. Mm. I want you to find the great, you know, normal curve in the middle and keep benefiting us with all your great ideas, but we also need to make room for everyone else's great ideas and then offer help you know, in a way, which you're right, yeah. we are getting back to the feedback conversation, because that's assuming that person's worth keeping. But yes. I think it really begins with, do you want to keep them? Is this person worth it to you? Because mm. from there, once you make that decision, that suggests very different paths forward. Totally. And I think, interestingly, by, and as you know, I would say this anyway, but get that individual into a place of a you should be obviously praising them for doing some good stuff because it's not all about the bad stuff they're doing as well but also trying to take the the conversation to a future place of saying how can you develop better how can i support you better what are your aspirations and it starts to create that sort of more positive mindsets and you know if you want to be the next ceo of this company for example and they may want to be that, which is fine. These are the sort of the behaviors you might want to think about in terms of getting to that level. Because if you continue in this vein, you know, if you look at our current CEO, they don't sort of operate in those sort of behaviors. <clears throat> in fact, they operate in these ones, which align to our values. And it starts to future think people thinks, okay, so if I really want to be successful, I need to start thinking about changing something here and to try and create that sort of internal motivation along the way. Yeah. And of course, you know, having a slightly dimmer view of humanity as I do, <laughs> right. Um, I'll often um, suggest people share, well, do you want to plateau? Because if you're smart and ambitious, this behavior will plateau you. It will just stall you, which is really the same thing that you're saying, but you know, you're much, you're just a kinder person. So um, on that note, I know that we have to wrap up. So I just want to say, thank you, Julian. Thank you, everybody, and uh, see you next week, right, Julian? Absolutely. See you next week. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you.